Welcome to Tech on Reg, the podcast that explores all things at the intersection of law, technology, and high regulated industry. We're talking fintech, regtech, sextech, and more with thought leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world to share insights, trade viewpoints, and get us all thinking about responsible innovation. And here is your host, Dara Tukowski. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Tech on Reg, the podcast that explores all things at the intersection of law, technology, and highly regulated industry. I am, of course, your host, Dara Tarkowski. And today we are back finally talking about reg tech, you know, that whole industry that my podcast was named after. Um, Before we get started, though, uh, I want to do another quick thank you to our sponsor, BAI. For those of you that are unfamiliar with BAI, they are one of the premier providers of training and education for the financial services industries. Make sure to check out their bank and non-bank curriculum at BAI.org. Thank you again to BAI for making this episode possible. All right, so today we are talking about RegTech, we are talking about automation, and we have an expert with us, CEO and founder of the company ClauseMatch, Evgeny Lakoted. Evgeny is the founder and CEO, and having worked in the legal and compliance profession in the financial services industry and others, Evgeny sought to improve the current ways of how companies can understand and meet their compliance obligations to ensure that compliance is embedded into their business. Welcome to the show, Evgeny. Hi, Darren. It's great to be here. So fun fact for Tech on Reg listeners, uh, this is not the first time Evgeny and I have met. Um, we were fortunate enough to meet back, what was it, Evgeny, in 2019? It was, it was like that minute, yeah. like right before the world shut down. Uh, and we met in Dublin, Ireland, where we were both actually presenting during a city's uh, basically 10-year innovation lab birthday party, right? I think that I think the program had a more formal title, but that's what I remember it as. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, City Innovation Lab, and they were celebrating ten years. Um, and yeah, we were both present presenting to senior people at City uh, and some of their partners. Yeah, it was a super fun event where we got all the reg tech nerds around the planet all together. Um, and that was the first opportunity I actually had uh, to meet uh, you and then, but was also introduced to your company and your product and saw really cool demos. So I'm so glad to have you on the show and uh, to reconnect. So for our listeners who don't know you as well as I do, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background in legal compliance and like the story of how Clause Match was founded? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's kind of a funny story how it started. Um, I was always keen on technology, and um, I actually always wanted to go into computer science. Uh, but the college years were just after the dot-com crash. Mm. So my parents were like, hey, why don't you do something more traditional? So instead of doing computer science, <laughs> I went into legal, uh, legal field. So I studied law uh, in the UK, and then... I did my master's law degree in France, um, and then I moved to London, uh, joined a uh, large uh, utility company where I worked in legal and compliance uh, for about five years. Um, and there I practically became the IT support for our department, um, <laughs> digitizing, standardizing that's our not, That's not a common thing for a lawyer. They normally don't associate with a, uh, associate people like us with technology, right? 
Yeah, no, not at all. But, uh, you know, that, that really helped me to kind of see the early signs of digitization of documentation and, uh, you know, contract management, document management, um, uh, where I implemented a system to, to manage those documents. And then I, uh, in 2009, I moved to Morgan Stanley, uh, which was probably the wrong year to join a bank. Uh, you know. <laughs> what? Was there, something, was there something interesting going on in the world in 2009? Just kidding. Just kidding, listeners. Yeah. I know what was happening in the world in 2009. <laughs> yeah, the, the the one thing I remember, 2009, and, uh, you know, my colleagues saying, well, last year bonus was so much bigger. Well, <laughs> yeah. And uh, the size of those bonuses maybe led into some of the issues that we were having uh, across the financial services planet back then. Um so how long were you at Morgan Stanley? So I was at Morgan Stanley for about three and a half, four years. Um, and, you know, 2009, that's when we started getting more and more uh, regulatory audits, more and more sure. questions from regulators, um, and also new regulations, obviously, across the world. And uh, Morgan Stanley being a global financial institution, uh, we had to do a lot of remediation across different continents. Um, I work specifically on uh, commodities and derivatives uh, contracts, and the entire population of our contracts had to be reviewed several times to understand what events of default we had we had in them, you know, what sort of exposure we have in different countries to different counterparties, and then remediate uh, all of that. So I saw firsthand how difficult it was to actually go through tens of thousands of documents just trying to understand the content in them. Uh, but also we had to rewrite all of our processes, procedures, uh, because what we realized is that a lot of processes when we negotiate and agree those documents weren't either followed or they weren't compliant or, you know, so... Everything's an exception, uh, right? Well, that's what happens with manual processes, right? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, and and everything is stored in an email, and then the person left a year ago, and everything that person said in an email is lost. Uh, every approval which is done by email is lost, and uh, kind of recreating that audit trail of any decision made, especially if it's in a regulatory um, regulatory area, uh, is very difficult. Uh, so that's how really the idea for close match was born. Is um, uh, I thought, well, we're really creating content which is high risk or high value in a large organization in a really in a wrong way. Uh, we, we we need to record that content. We need to understand who created it. We need to understand how it relates to everything else in the uh, in the institution. And then, what was the governance process of approving that content? I mean, so for, for listeners, basically like what all of this is and the unhappy task that lawyers like Evgeny and myself when working as outside counsel we have is we're basically given a big pile of garbage, right? We're given a big pile of garbage and you're like, hey, can you make sense of this garbage with a bunch of unstructured data? And then lawyers like us are like, uh, maybe, maybe we can do that, but it's going to take a lot of time and it's going to take a lot of effort. So it sounds like what the opportunity that you saw uh, and, you know, that obviously the entire industry saw a need for that clause match is presently filling 
was a way to turn all of that unstructured data and unstructured knowledge into a structured and, you know, accessible form. So you so that lawyers like us weren't handed big piles of garbage time and time again. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it, it was an interesting story when we just started working on this. And uh, the, uh, the premise was if we start creating this content in a collaborative way where you can work together, you can have approvals, um, you can have audit trail, and you can have relationships between you know different documents or even different sections in those documents, then you can make a lot of sense out of it, but also you can uh, you can start using technology like machine learning, natural language processing, and training AI models um, to actually uh, then automate or not fully automate suggest um, related content across the organization. So, so don't don't talk too much about AI because we're definitely gonna we're definitely gonna be it's one of our favorite topics here on Tech Unreg. So we're gonna save. I have a whole set of questions about AI and how it's sort of a the new and evolving role that AI is playing. Um, so, at, but I want to go back to your story because at what point did you say to hell with all of this? I I see the problem. I see the need. I'm ready to be an entrepreneur. Uh, it was a journey. Uh, yeah, they all are, I, but that's what that's what's so that's what's interesting about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so initially, I I kind of been as my moonlight job at Morgan Stanley. I volunteered to implement. Um, a knowledge sharing platform uh, within the bank. So that's what we've done. You know, I found something that our uh, IT department used and then at zero budget pretty much implemented that uh, platform to share our knowledge internally and to keep it when people leave. Um, and then ultimately, you know, I wanted to do more and uh, I pitched an idea to uh, um, head of department and then we talked about it and at the time, you know, 2012, not a single bank in the world had a cloud strategy and work. So you true. Know, putting data in the cloud uh, was a no-no for a big organization like, you know, like a big bank. Um, so I thought, well, actually, I'm just going to work on it. And uh, in about nine months later, I left Morgan Stanley and uh, we started a company. I love it. I love when like a big organization is like, no, you can't do this. And you're like, that's cool. I'm going to try to do it anyway, because I still think it's a really great idea. And so it was, right? And so it was a great idea. So Clause Match was founded. Uh, and tell us about some of the you know experience and growth you've been experiencing. I know that since you and I last spoke, you guys have a US operation now that you didn't uh, when you and I met in Dublin. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, so it's been uh, uh, the the first few years we we spent build, building the uh, the technology, um, and what we didn't realize is um, in 2012 2014 uh, the we wanted to build real time collaboration on on content on documents, and at the time it took Google to ten years to build that, uh, you know, and here we are. <laughs> Decided we're going to do this, and then the more we researched into it, uh, the more it looked like you know it's a very difficult task. At the time, head of Google Docs um, apparently said, 
if you want a Google engineer to leave the company, then put them on Google Docs project. So, oh my gosh, uh, you know we how far that, we how far we've you know, come. Absolutely, uh, but yeah, we we are not shy of uh, challenges and uh, especially tough challenges. So that's what we uh, decided to build, and then um, fast forward. In 2016, we signed our first large client, uh, which was Barclays Bank. And um, we deployed our platform across every risk and compliance department at Barclays globally, um, which was a big win for the company. And then since then, we, yeah, we kind of, um, we had a lot of applications for our platform because if you have a, a way for enterprise to edit documents, and content in a way we created, um, you can really apply it in many different uh, many different use cases. But it seemed like compliance specifically, and compliance officers and risk officers were struggling with um, implementing regulatory rules internally in their policies and procedures, uh, because that policy management process internally within the organization is typically very chaotic. Uh, it's siloed uh, and regulators want to see structure in that process they want to see governance in that process and they want to see that you know employees are actually reading compliant content and that it's actually being implemented and followed on a consistent basis um which is you know and at least in terms for agreements and contracts like that's that's exactly the solution that you guys provide right yeah, absolutely. And then two years ago, when pandemic started, we really saw a um, uh, an uprise in uh, adoption of regulatory technology um, and compliance technology. So uh, we actually had a brilliant year. That's when we expanded to the U.S. Um, we signed two large global financial institutions in the U.S. and then two large financial institutions from Canada. Um, and now, you know, now that uh, the North American business is really growing. Well, so obviously you guys have figured out that that sweet spot. Um, but I think, you know, given how much experience that you personally and that your organization has in the in the growing and consistently like more adapted field of reg tech, I think it's important for us to sort of take a step back and I'll ask, I know what my answer is to this, but people are sick of hearing from me because they get to hear me every two weeks. In your view, how does an organization, an FI, and not just, you know, a, a you know the city banks of the world, but even like smaller, you know, regional community FIs stay compliant with automation? Why is automation a good thing for compliance? Well, that's a $2 billion question. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, how do we stay compliant with automation? Um, uh, on, honestly, it's uh, it's still very difficult to solve, um, and we're seeing, especially if uh, if you're an institution which is present globally and subject to five, six, one thousand regulators, five hundred, six hundred, or one one thousand regulators, um, and pretty much every organization is now struggling to identify all of the rules which are applicable to them and then implement them internally. Uh, automation is a big part of, of that. Uh, you know, automation of 
uh, different tasks that compliance people need to go through when they're evaluating regulation, doing the impact assessment, uh, understanding which departments are impacted by a, a new change in, in policy, and then implementing that and project managing that implementation. Um, we're kind of, at the moment, uh, we're seeing automation being applied in that uh, workflow part. So, you know, this is impact, uh, the impact of the, that this rule uh, is on five departments. There are 30 people. So automation and kind of sending the notifications, uh, assigning tasks and telling them what to do. Uh, but going forward, more automation will be done in terms of really identifying in a document what are the actual obligations, are they applicable to the organization or not. Uh, and then uh, doing the automated impact assessment in terms of which products are impacted, uh, which jurisdictions are impacted and uh, so if who, Gany, who are though, high level high level from from a regulator standpoint automation on its face forgetting about like the nitty-gritty of where you're going to automate and why you're going to automate in, in terms of the many processes that could be automated automation in general provides all the things that regulators say they want right they want uh consistency repeatability and transparency, right, for auditing. So high level yep. regulators should be really excited about the prospect of automating some of these tax tasks in theory. You, do you disagree? In theory, yes, absolutely agree. Yes, and the theory and the reality are always very, very, uh, not necessarily different, but there's a journey between, between theory and reality. So where do you think some of the most effective areas, and we'll focus on FIs because you're doing um, so much work uh, with these big banks, where are those areas, at least in the interim, that are easier to get started? Like if you're a financial institution who hasn't implemented any reg tech yet, where are the areas that you should start with, the low-hanging fruit for automation to help? Oh, yes, absolutely. And um... Uh, we've seen a big wave of automation in client onboarding, anti-money laundering, and know your customer um, technology, uh, because that, that there is a lot of data out there which needs to be checked uh, when you're onboarding a customer. Um, there is a lot of data in transaction monitoring, in fraud detection, and when you've got a lot of structured data and you've got enough companies providing access to that data, um, it's becoming much, much easier to automate. Um, so automated decision-making on uh, suspicious transactions and potentially fraudulent tra transactions um, is now being used by pretty much you know, most global financial institutions. But actually that technology is, is also used by regulators because uh, regulators right. are getting a lot of that data reported to them on transactions, on trades, and so on. And um, in fact, we've seen regulators doing um, uh, enforcement actions based on that data and based on what the algorithms found. So what do you think are some of the legal pitfalls or roadblocks that some companies face when they're trying to automate some regulatory compliance? Yeah, I think... Um, 
I mean, you sort of you sort of hint you sort of hinted at one before. Like there was a mindset at one point that said, "No, we can't have a SaaS solution for any of this because anything in the cloud is definitely going to get hacked and it's a it's a cyber threat." Obviously, over time, financial institutions and the world in general has moved away from that sort of thinking and actually there's an argument to be made that it's actually more secure than what than what companies were doing before. So that was one of those that you know, lawyers, not lawyers like you and me, but most lawyers want to be want to say no, right? Like the, they want to say no all the time. Um, what are some of those other challenging areas right now that, that you're seeing? So I think uh, cloud and cybersecurity is, st- is still a big topic for uh, financial institutions. Um, and we're seeing that more and more, uh, especially recently with uh, heightened cyber risk uh, across the world. Uh, so it's definitely one one area which is very difficult to uh, kind of address 100%. Um, and then these requirements are now flowing into supply chain as well. And uh, some of the most innovative companies, SaaS solutions, which you see out there, they cannot really comply with the um, with the requirements that big financial institutions put on them. Um, so that we have seen as one large deterrent uh, for big organizations adopting RegTech, uh, especially RegTech, which is uh, RegTech companies, which are smaller. Um, do you, do you, I mean, so I'm going to ask you sort of like a, like a spicy question, uh, but do you think those yeah. concerns are still well-founded given, given the progress that SaaS companies, like it's it's not like people are building their own data centers and building their own clouds, right? Like they're they're operating through Azure and AWS, and you know, do do you think those concerns are legit? I, I want to say no, but at the same time, I know that most of the cyber threats and most of mo- most of cyber breaches uh, originate not from the technology. Like no one has broken into an AWS facility and uh, stole data, but actually it's more around uh, social engineering and phishing and, you know, hacking. And a lot of companies, you know, don't adopt cyber training, don't adopt uh, any of of these, you know, pretty simple techniques, which will deter a lot of these threats um, from the from the outset. Uh, but it's, it is changing, and I think with data privacy laws, it's changed dramatically. Um, a lot of companies have woken up to, you know, cyber threats, and they have woken up to actually we need to protect this data, and uh, we need to have processes, we need to have controls. So I would say it's definitely getting better. But uh, yeah, hackers don't sleep either. No, they don't. Um, but they haven't slept for years, right? They, I mean, which is which is true. So. All right, let's move. Let's move on to to AI because I promised we would get back to it. Um, we started touching on it a little bit. How do you think artificial intelligence, um, generally, understanding that there are many flavors of AI, but how do you think AI plays a role in reg tech and compliance software generally, or can play a role? Uh, yeah, I think in general there is. Um, I, I mentioned a couple of use cases, and that, that is uh, identifying suspicious transactions, AML, KYC, you know, benef- uh, beneficial ownership structures. 
um, AI can be much, much better when you've got such a huge data set. Uh, and there is a lot of use of AI there already. Um, some of the challenges there we're seeing is that compliance are <laughs> compliance departments are generally um, more risk averse. So they don't like it's to hear that. Lawyers, <laughs> full of risk averse <laughs> lawyers who like to say no. Yeah, absolutely. And they and you know, they, they don't like to hear that a you know, some software will make a decision for them. They want to double check check and triple check. So what we've seen is that AI can augment uh, and help compliance um, to make decisions, but uh, a lot of people are still skeptical about AI making decisions for them. Do you think those fears are legitimate and well-founded? I know I it's, an say... it's, an it's another spicy question. And I, I vacillate personally, I vacillate back and forth all the time. Um, because on the one hand, right, we have all the studies that basically say, no, 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 um, the consistency and predictability uh, of utilizing AI for a lot of these compliance functions actually create better and more predictable outcomes than humans ever could. And on the flip side, it's just like, but what about that one time it screws up, right? Like, I don't, I don't want that to be the one example that ends up, uh, you know, on the regulator's desk. What do you think? I am with you on this one. Uh, on one hand, you can really automate and you can really, uh, you know, uncover things through AI, which you, you could never see or uncover or automate. And faster. Uh, and faster, much, much faster. On the other hand, I think it scares people that what th that one wrong decision that AI will make is going to land them in trouble because you have a defense that, hey, there is so much data that manually we can't deal with it and the regulator will be okay. But then if you apply AI al algorithms, who knows if the regulator will say, well, you should you should have checked that algorithm before you applied it. Um, and I think that's why we're seeing a lot more concern around, you know, buying AI models um, in a software and then not understanding how those models work. It's a hard vendor to do an assessment on, right? A vendor that's uh, utilizing uh, AI for all, all sorts of services uh, that might be provided to, you know, a financial institution or any other highly regulated industry. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll give you a practical example. I love practical we, examples. We're now, we're now um, you know, negotiating a, an agreement with a large bank and um, there is a very explicit AI clause in that agreement uh, saying that any AI model should have very extensive documentation and any change to, to your models need to be documented and approved by, by the bank. So we're seeing that in practice, these are becoming, uh, you know, applicable contractually to the vendors. So that's of, kind of um, interesting. So the bank says, hey, service provider, if you guys are utilizing AI, you have to show us all your sauce. You have to show, like, you have to document it and show us, which to me sort of brings up a separate and interesting argument about trade secrets and how much how much of my code am I actually willing to to show a customer does that impact my ip rights you know it sort of like brings you down a whole other legal rabbit hole um 
But like I get it. It's 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 a tricky, tricky balance because they want that clause in there um, to satisfy the regulators being like, see, see, OCC, see regulator. We make them we make them do it right here. And if they didn't do it, it's on them. It's not on us. Um, but at the same time, I get that any other you know technology company that has IP to protect be like, wait, wait, wait a minute. I don't want to show I don't want to show you all of my code every time I develop something or tweak something, it's a big burden, right? Like that's an additional huge burden for a service provider. Yeah, absolutely. And then every time you change a model as well, if you have to get an approval and docu document uh, every change, then that kind of deters you to improve your models. Um, yeah. No. No, it, it tells you don't improve your models because otherwise you have to. Because it becomes work. a bureaucratic headache of red tape. Yes, yeah, but on the other hand, I understand the risk they're trying to address. So, well, I uh, I, know, I uh, hope that a happy medium uh, is found because I think so much of the beauty and excitement of what you guys are doing and what other reg tech companies are doing is right. They're constantly tweaking, they're constantly changing, they're constantly improving, and a lot of that is based on the data and information that they're getting in from their customers. So. Part of the value of working with an organization who's constantly working to make the model better is that. So why would you put a roadblock in front of them to make their service less good for you, the customer who's paying for it? Yes, yeah. So what about, uh, all right, so we're early in 2022. Um, you know, as a leader in the reg tech industry, what's your outlook for the rest of the year and beyond? What trends are you seeing that are impacting reg tech? Well, the, the, the recent couple of years have been very interesting. And then 2022, I think the trend of increased need for compliance is going to continue. Um, there is more regulation which was which has been implemented and uh, we're seeing two large kind of areas where new regulations are incoming one is um obviously cryptocurrency oh, i was crypto waiting assets. for you to say digital assets i'm so glad you did keep going <laughs> digital assets yeah uh, you know simply from anti-money laundering kyc um, uh, regulation applicable to that to you know more advanced kind of regulation as regulators understand uh, much better uh, you know what is possible with uh, digital assets and then how they can evolve and how they can change the world um, and then another big topic obviously is uh, ESG and uh, ESG reporting Absolutely. ESG regulations all right folks tech on reg listeners you heard it if you are looking for reg tech solutions and all of the traditional stuff that uh, you haven't done yet, you also get to add crypto and ESG to your list of things that you should be thinking about for reg tech automation. Um, any, you know, so we're sort of at the end of our time, any sort of like final thoughts that you have for our listeners that you want them to walk away with? I would say that in general, compliance has got a bright outlook because um, there is a lot of focus on compliance technology right now. And uh, we're seeing a lot of innovation coming from regulators as well. Um, regulators are adopting technology, um, which they call subtech or supervisory tech, uh, which is, is that very happening in because... the U.S. too? Because, gosh, 
gosh, we're slow compared to you guys over over in the UK. I really hope so, but uh, we we have seen you know CFTC and uh, Finra doing innovation projects, um, so I think it will eventually happen. We in in Subtech we have a ten year overlook, um, and uh, sorry t- ten year outlook, um, and in the next ten years we're going to see digital regulations which are published via the API. I'm hoping. Well, and, cool. Uh, when that are... happens, we'll do an episode on that too. Because that'll be something that yep. everybody's going to want to get their get their arms around. Yep. Um, well, thank you so much, Evgeny, for joining us today. It was so nice to talk to you again after so long. Um, you know, I, I'll definitely make sure to hit you up, have you back on the show, uh, to see how you guys are doing. Congratulations on the U.S. expansion. That's super exciting. Um, and nothing but uh, best wishes for continued success. Thank you so much, Dara. Uh, That was a lot of fun. Thank you. Perfect. All right, everyone. I will see you guys next time uh, on Tech on Reg.